Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Peony on Magazine Street, exceptional women's and children's clothes and gifts. From our socially distanced virtual lunch table in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Aschuti, Tulane University Freeman School of Business professor and director of the Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans time. I'm Peter Aschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. If somebody was to ask you, what do you know about brain chemistry? You'd probably answer not much or even nothing. But it turns out you'd be wrong. When you decide you need a cup of tea or a glass of wine and you prefer one kind of tea over another or you avoid a certain type of wine because it gives you a headache, what you're actually doing is adjusting the fine balance of the chemicals in your brain like dopamine, uh, opioid peptides, uh, serotonin, uh, theanine, and glutamate. We didn't know any of this science when humans started drinking tea in 2737 BC, nor did we know it when animals started drinking fermented fruits reportedly 80 million years ago. Although we might enjoy drinking wine and tea in the same way our ancestors did, we've come a long way with manufacture and distribution. If you know anything about tea, you probably know it comes from India. Well, yes, a lot of the tea is grown in India, but what you may not know is tea is also grown in Mississippi. Brookhaven, Mississippi, to be exact, the co-owner of Brookhaven's The Great Mississippi Tea Company is Timmy Gibson. Timmy, welcome out to lunch. Thank you, Peter. Glad to be here. So now that you know that tea comes from Mississippi, where would you least expect wine to come from? How about New Orleans? Old Orleans Wines was founded in 2018 and makes wine with labels like Chapatula's Blanc du Bois, Old Carrollton, and Vucare Rosé. The founder of Old Orleans Wines is Kim Lewis. Kim, welcomed out to lunch. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, Timmy, when we talk about tea here in the South, we generally assume we're talking about cold drink, and we couldn't be accused of being very picky about it. The only level of sophistication most of us have about tea is the ability to answer the question, sweetened or unsweetened. So with that kind of background, this would seem to be an unlikely part of the world to launch a revolution in tea agriculture. But that's exactly what's going on at the great Mississippi Tea Company. The company is focused on growing tea in a way that is socially responsible, technologically advanced, and environmentally conscious, all of which are apparently departures from the traditional tea farm. Your teas have been recognized internationally for their taste, which is a very big deal in a highly competitive international market. How successful will you have to become for the vast worldwide tea industry to pay attention to your revolutionary agricultural approach? Um, not super successful at this point. Um, we have, we go to different trade shows and stuff like that as well. And we have people from all over the world um, that come up and know us um, just because of what we're doing already. Um, trying to make sure that we pay people a living wage and make sure that we're not putting 
harmful chemicals into the uh, environment and making sure that we take care of not just our property, but our neighbors around us and protect them from anything that may happen on the farm. Um, and trying to come up with a way that as in the industry as a whole around the world, as they need to change, that they have a model to look at and say, okay, well, it can be done in the US where labor is really high and we could do it here as our labor goes up. So that's really one of our main purposes is to have that for other countries as well. Kim, maybe it's a myth or maybe we're just ill-informed, but we've been led to believe that the best grapes for wine are grown in parts of the world where the weather is hot and dry. In Louisiana, we have 50% of that requirement, it's hot, but the state is swampy. It rains a lot. New Orleans is five feet below sea level, and much of the year, the humidity makes it feel like we're living in a sauna. On the other side of the equation, there's no doubt we like to drink wine. So theoretically, if we could cut out the expenses that come with manufacture, regulation, and transportation from the rest of the country and around the world, producing wine in New Orleans would seem like a smart way to have a market advantage. But how do you get around the problems of climate? Are you growing your own grapes here? Are you buying them from other vineyards? What does the manufacturing process look like at Old Orleans Wines? So here at Old Orleans Wines, we produce everything in-house. In we do not grow our own grapes. We network with vendors, I mean vineyards and other vendors throughout the U.S. who will grow our grapes. Um, and we also work with a vineyard here in Louisiana, up north in Louisiana. And the relationship that we have with them, they'll grow grapes for us as well. And we're able to get those grapes, bring them back to the winery on Aretha Castle Haley and have our harvest where we press and crush grapes. Now, Kim, you, you did absolutely the right thing. You started small, you started kind of back in the channel. Originally you were buying wine from West Monroe and uh, and bringing it here. And then you started actually transporting the grapes and making the wine yourself. That must have been a big step. It is. It's huge. Um, I actually had no plans on doing that. <laughs> um, it, it kind of just came about because of the demand and the response and the good feedback from consumers and distribution and stores. So it only made sense to go full-fledged with a winery versus an online business. And Timmy, you started uh, slowly as, in a small way, uh, maybe for a different reason. You you had uh, a lot of acres in Mississippi that I guess was a cattle farm, which the only thing I know is that would be well fertilized. That's about all I could, all I could put together there. But you had to go slowly because uh, camellias are the source for how you're making tea, the leaves of them. But you had to must, you had to have started slowly, I would imagine, because you have to wait for these these uh, bushes to grow large enough to be able to uh, produce what you need for tea. Is is that how it works? Um, yes. Yeah, so when you first plant a a a tea plant, which is a Camellia sinensis, um, then it takes five years for you to get it big enough and with the pruning and everything else that goes along with that um, to shape the bush as well to where you can harvest off of it. Um, but once they are established, they're, they're there for 100 plus years. Um, so the little bit in the beginning, since it takes a little bit longer, well makes up for it towards the end. And 
and we're so good at growing camellias in this in this region. I guess the soil was was just what you needed. Um, yes, they are a little bit different from the ones that we know um, as far as the pH range. Um, so camellia bushes for tea love the acidic soil. Um, so as where the japonicas and sasanquas are okay with being in a little bit higher pH. Um, so they're a little bit different. Um, they pretty much share about the name and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> now, Kim, I'd have to ask you almost a, a similar question here and that wine has to be uh, aged. So what do you do in that situation? Did you have to wait a couple of years to get rolling? So <clears throat> wine has to be aged, but not all wine. Um, some of them have different timelines um, depending if it's white or red. Um, we do have some wine aging right now in barrels. We do have some wine in tanks. It just depends on the type of wine. Um, so what you do is you go with what makes sense first, the things that you can sell that does not have to be aged to get by yourself time to age the things that need to be aged. And you actually, you both are in the same situation. You went ahead and really pushed um, a lot of side businesses in here. Like, for instance, Kim, you have a, a really cool urban vineyard that's on Aretha Castle Haley. But how did that outgrowth work? So right now we're outgrowing it, but um, it's really nice. Um, it has the feel of a vineyard. If you ever come there, it has the grassy feel, the barrels, the wood, the oaks. You'll walk in there and not even realize you're in the middle of downtown New Orleans. Um, just having that space was a blessing in disguise because New Orleans never had a winery in its, in its existence. So this is the first, um, and it's the first Black-owned winery in the entire state of Louisiana. And so, you know, it's a highlight moment. We get a lot of tourism, a lot of tourists stop by, a lot of people coming in, booking. Online sales are great. Uh, tasting sales are amazing. It's an entire experience if you book for a tasting. Uh, you come in, you get your flight of four wines, a charcuterie spread of meat and cheeses to go along with your tasting. You get a wine lesson, education about Old Orleans itself, as well as myself, and you get to meet staff and, you know, other members who are there, the wine, the other winemaker who's there. You might, might may even see him producing or making and or getting ready for production, I mean, distribution with bottling and boxing and shipping out to the different stores that we're in. So you never know what you're going to see if you come on over. <laughs> Kim, did it work out that you probably had these ideas before, but the pandemic kind of sped them up? Yeah. So, you know, like I said, the winery was never the, <laughs> the goal. It was something fun. I, you know, I'm a wine drinker. I love to drink wine. I like to taste new kind of wines. I like to travel and taste wines. And so being, I'm also a school teacher. So being out for the pandemic at home, it's like, okay, let's see about making this a winery. Let's, let's see if we can take it up a notch. And, you know, I really didn't know if I can do it or not, but I pushed and I got it. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Kim Lewis from Old Orleans Wines and Timmy Gibson from the Great Mississippi Tea Company. Timmy, um, the parts I would think of are the different parts of your business. Uh, tourism, and you, people do come to your beautiful facility up there, uh, 
my wife is a master gardener. She saw a video you had done. It's 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 really something. But that must have dropped off the uh, the table uh, at the pandemic. What about the actual drinking of tea during the pandemic? Did that? Which way did that go? Um, actually, last year, um, because of the pandemic and everything, we hadn't had our own online store. Um, so last year, we actually did launch our own online store. Um, and tea sales were really great last year. Um, we did drop off where um, tourism was concerned. I think regular tourists, we had um, two scheduled tours last year, and that was it. Um, but we did also pick up um, a thing that's called Harvest Host. Um, so they're uh, RVers that travel around the United States and they make appointments at different wineries and farms and stuff like that. And they get to park there for free, but then they have to buy something from your business. Um, so that part of our tourism did really great last year because a lot of people were going stir crazy <laughs> and wanted out and about. So that was the only reason we had tourism last year was because of that. So, uh, but the tea drinking itself, people were buying tea because they were home and, you know, the, everybody in the world goes, oh, tea's good for you. So why don't we try to drink some of this in this time of craziness? <laughs> <laughs> now, what about the fact as what if I was listening to this show, the first thing that would hit me is why? You know, I understand the businesses are great. You're really smart. It's expanding. But uh, but they seem such odd choices. I mean, why did you get into tea? Why did you get into wine? There obviously there weren't a lot of people to follow and uh, emulate. Yeah. Correct. I learned that about the pandemic. People are at home drinking wine. They want wine. They're drinking wine and they are buying wine at no expense. So, Dibby, is that what you think too? It, I mean, kind of the same thing that we were about to have this property and we didn't want to do a, t a timber farm. We already have one. We didn't want to do cattle anymore. We didn't want to do row crops. I mean, just we wanted something different. So you're farmers. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, that helps. <laughs> well, we're kind of entrepreneurial, I guess you could say. We've we've owned several different types of businesses. <laughs> <laughs> Timmy, uh, once you uh, let's see, let's say once you pick the leaves and do what you need to it, when it becomes tea, how do you store it? Um, storing it actually is pretty simple. Um, I know around the world you'll see as you go to the grocery store or if you went to a tea shop um, and they have bags that are clear and everything so that people can see what's inside of them. And that's really not good for tea. Um, so what we store them in are craft paper, foil lined bags that keep out the light and the air. And as long as they're in a regulated area, like if you just put them in a shelf, a cabinet, in your house and just leave it there, it's fine. Um, it's oxygen and light that degrade tea. So as long as you're careful with it, it lasts for a really long time. Well, it's one thing to grow great tea and to uh, make great wine, but the distribution of this has gotta be difficult. Uh, I would assume there's a fight for shelf space in a lot of folks. Now, now Kim, you actually really made these quantum leaps recently. It, the The wine is available in Bromart and I think Walmart and uh, and then uh, Total Wines. How did that happen? Are you putting on your sneakers and going out there and talking to these people? Yes, I do. I do it all. So 
I am all just like Timmy. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Um, I know how to get things done. Um, I don't sit back and wait for it. I kind of go to it. Um, I utilize LinkedIn as a business networking tool. And I utilized it so well that I had Walmart in my inbox. I had Target in my inbox, um, Total Wine in my inbox. Um, I just market myself very well and put myself out there as a new brand and, you know, branded my, my product for Louisiana and New Orleans. And so, you know, everybody supports locals. Everybody loves locals, but when locals can also meet the demand and meet distribution, that's an amazing thing. And so we went from, um, being in 10 Walmarts to get a call and say, hey, you're in 24 to 114. And in October, they want to take us to 4,000. Um, I woke up one day to a text message saying, hey, Rouse has just ordered Old Orleans for 42 locations. I'm like, hey, okay, that's new. And so, you know, things happen like that. And it happens really fast and you just have to be ready for it. Once I learned how to maneuver and work distribution, I think the rest was kind of history for me because Target, we just got into Target on last week, I would say, well, two weeks ago. Uh, we've known for a while we would get into Targets, but it was only five, but now it's 10. And so the numbers always grow and grow and grow. And so that's a good and thing. Kim, I teach in a business school, so I've got to ask you this question. Great things happen, things that you really had hoped and prayed for. You got these new stores, but you know, the expression people use is you might have been like the dog that caught the pickup truck. Like now that it happened, what are you, you're gonna have to really ramp things up. Was that overwhelming? It, it's never been overwhelming. It was just a shock, like, huh, aha. Uh -huh. Because I can remember a moment where I was out hitting the ground working trying to get all these deals done and getting emails saying no we're not interested no we're not interested and now every week it's another store hey we want to bring you on hey can you do this hey can we get that one and i'm i'm grateful i think it's amazing but i also do think it's a result of the hard work that i've already placed out there and timmy when talking about your uh sales in store and i realize online is a is a probably a bigger part of it but the in-store sales it seems like you've been more selective. You wanted them in a certain kind of store and you're in like a dozen states. How was all that decided? Um, really, when it came to that, um, it was more about how much we had available. Um, so we knew to hit certain markets for like our biggest one is Dallas. Um, and our main distributor for the United States is in Dallas. So we knew to get in certain areas with the amount of key that we had currently. Um, so last year, all we produced was 250 pounds of tea. Um, but this year we're set to do around about a ton and a half. So it just depends. Now we can actually start branching out and getting into other places. So it wasn't really necessarily that we selected places because we were trying to be picky or anything. It was, that's just all we had to be able to supply. And you know, you have this, um, I, all these things that I would have never thought of myself, like a tea themed cookbook and then online uh, presentations. Uh, how did all that come about? I mean, you admitted you guys were farmers or entrepreneurial farmers, all these new initiatives, did they come because of the pandemic? Um, the online classes, definitely. Um, we had to pivot. I mean, just like a lot of businesses did. And since people couldn't come to the farm, 
we took the farm to them virtually. So we have a virtual tour now to where it goes all over the farm. You get to see what the fields look like and explain everything. We did classes on how you process tea, how teas are made, just general education. Um, the cookbook actually came out of there are a, there is a waste product um, as our, you know, as we process and it's stuff that are broken pieces and stuff like that, that we can't sell at the regular price that we sell everything else. So we needed something to do with that. So we actually created soaps and spice rubs and different things like that. And then we decided to create a culinary grade of tea that you could cook with. So we made a cookbook so people knew how to, you know, put that into foods. Because um, people want to do stuff with tea and they just don't know how. Um, and other than drinking it, that's it. That's all people know when it comes to tea. Oh, well, I, I don't really want a hot cup of tea, but how do you get somebody to use it all the time? Well, put it in food and people love it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Timmy, I, I didn't know anything about this until I was getting ready for the show, but tea people are like wine people and craft beer people. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can have fistfights about tea. I, I <laughs> haven't seen that, but I mean, people are, they're real aficionados. Oh yeah, so it, we have been to, so in Texas, they have Texom, um, which is a big wine event. And we went to it as tea people um, because they, it's just like tea and wine are very, very similar when it comes to tasting. So we had all the sommeliers tasting tea and they would, they were very, very special. They're like, don't tell me anything about it. I want to taste it. And if you tell me something, then it, it blows my palate out. And that's what I'm actually looking for. So it's very, very similar in tastings. So a lot of the same flavor notes you get in wine, you find in tea as well. Um, it's, it's crazy though, because they will, tea people will get, oh, well, no, that's not the best green tea. This is the best green tea. Oh no, that's the best black. And they will get, you know, up in arms about it. But at the end of the day, they'll be like, okay, whatever, you know, you like yours. I like mine. We'll just agree to disagree and go on about it. business. But you know, it, it's a really unique culture, as I know probably Kim knows in starting getting into the wine industry. You know, I'm sure that she's met a lot of great people um, that would probably are the same way. Yeah. Yeah, you know, everybody's, I like to say everybody's taste buds and palate is completely different. And so it's, a lot of people ask me, are you a sommelier? Are you an expert, a wine enthusiast, blah, blah, blah. I feel like it's all about what you like. It's all about the taste that your palate tells you is perfect for you. Um, for me, I'm a Merlot drinker. I love Merlot, but I've created this wonderful, amazing, sweet red wine that's going to make me put the Merlot on a back burner. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. It, it just depends. I get customers come in all the time doing tastings um, and they'll sit there and they'll argue, argue what's the best wine or why this one goes well with this or why the, everybody's taste buds are completely different. Whichever day of the week it is you're listening to this, there's a good chance that today or tomorrow you're going to be drinking tea or wine. More than half of Americans over the age of 30 drink at least two glasses of wine a week, and we consume 1.4 billion pounds of tea in this country every single day. So Kim and Timmy, 
Choosing to go into tea or wine production seems like a smart move, but being pioneers in those businesses and finding new ways to operate and already entrenched marketplaces comes with significant challenges. You're both rising to these challenges and forging new paths in your respective industries. I look forward to keeping up with your continued success. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you, Peter. Welcome. It was a pleasure. My guests and Out to Lunch today have been Kim Lewis, owner of Old Orleans Wines, and Timmy Gibson, the co-owner of the Great Mississippi Tea Company. We've edited the show to fit into your time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Kim's wine and Timmy's tea by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast anywhere you get podcasts. And on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Very soon, we're going back to hosting Out to Lunch around the real world lunch table. I can just taste it. For right now, Commander's Palace is open for lunch Wednesday through Friday, dinner seven nights a week, and jazz brunch on the weekends. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Peony on Magazine Street, exceptional women's and children's clothes and gifts. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. And by the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. 